Hello, this is Toothy Toad. This is Dr. Walter Aka. Dr. Kyle Dumpert. And Dr. Gary Dennis. Greetings and salutations. Yeah, I, man. I want to say something. Go ahead, please. I, I, I am, I meant to do it this time, but I got a little uh, sidetracked. I'm going to change my uh, greetings and salutations to something different every time from now on. Ooh. Every time? Yeah, I don't and I'm trying to do it in different languages. As well. <laughs> Jesus okay. Christ! No, all see, all no, no, no. Listen, listen. I, I feel very uncomfortable with that because <laughs> <laughs> he might insult somebody or say something. <laughs> no, I want to research it, like you know. I, I need, I need you to be as. Yeah, exactly. I need the fluency to be there. All no, right. Well, anyway. <laughs> well, anyway, let's get let's get let's get back to let's get to what we were talking about today. Today we're going to talk about traveling dentistry. Uh, but I actually wanted to talk about my experience. Uh, I got my teeth cleaned. Um, what was it? Two days ago, uh, in a dental office, and I was just saying how uncomfortable I felt because every time I'm in a dental office, I have a mask on the whole time. You know, and I felt very uncomfortable, and I'm wondering if other patients are feeling the same way, or if other providers are feeling the same way, and that's why maybe they're not going for their cleaning. You know, and this is a admit, this is a judge-free zone. That makes me uncomfortable that you felt uncomfortable because I I am encouraging my patients. It is uh, I've seen studies where because COVID is a, a inflammatory disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, any extra inflammation you have in your body, gingivitis, periodontitis, uh, there, I don't remember the name of the study, but it was, uh, they linked severity of COVID symptoms to, uh, right. your gin- right. gingival health. Yeah. So if you're in there getting everything cleaned up, your immune system has a better chance of fighting a COVID infection or any other infection because you're reducing that overall inflammation. inflammation. So as you, you being a dentist, saying I'm not comfortable getting my teeth cleaned that makes me really uncomfortable because because uh, I'm encouraging patients that this is safe this is healthy there's the American Dental Association has come out saying there's never been any recorded uh, transmission Cases. between mm-hmm. dentist staff and patient I mean there's right. been dentists that have been sick but there's been no cross contamination. And and you know what? That that's where I was going with that though. I don't it's not like I didn't want to get it done because I went back and forth for a while and I got it done, right? And I, I'm yep. doing I'm doing well. Still no perio. Um but <laughs> <laughs> but but I think in in my mindset, right, every time I go to the dental office, I'm sitting here gowned up and on all kinds of levels, you know, mm-hmm. the patients don't normally have to deal with, right? I'm, I'm right. I have double um, mask on, I have a shield on, I have goggles on, and so I think going into that environment without all that, that's a mental thing for me, and that's what okay. I'm getting at. It's a mental thing for me because now I've positioned myself in a patient's point of view, and I'm just like I'm not used to that position. Does that make sense? It's good. It's because you have control issues. Yeah, no, that's so very were, true. Were, that that's very true. You're uh, put in an environment where you usually have 100 percent control, and now you're in that same environment and you have no control. Right. Were you comfortable with the level of PPE your hygienist had on? Oh yeah, no, no, no. Listen, I'll, I'll be honest with you. She went above and beyond. Like I think they, I mean, but she actually does that all the time. You know what I mean? And so I was. What she did was not the issue. I think I was in my own head. Just like I, I, we were talking before we came on about, you know, um, now my comfort level with like large groups, you know, mm-hmm. being in a large group or being in an indoor environment. Like even if like, let's just say we go to a restaurant or we go somewhere, I want to sit outside. 
And again, okay. it's my own mental blockage. And I'm not saying that that's something that I'm going to excuse, but I honestly believe that I'm not the only one going through this kind of mental blockage where the the comfort level is just not there. You know, and I believe that that's something that a lot of people we don't talk about is just on a comfortable level now because COVID has kind of put us in an, a new environment where we don't feel comfortable around other people we don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong. No, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Uh, I am 100% uncomfortable uh, eating in a restaurant or even being in a restaurant where other people are eating for more than like five minutes. Right. Because... Like, I, it's one thing, like, when you go to, when you go to work, you're going to the dental office, you're screening people. There's, mm-hmm. there's paperwork they have to fill out. There's, uh, you're taking temperatures, like all, all this stuff. None of that is going on at a restaurant, you know, and people are in there laughing hard, cackling, uh, you know, <laughs> you know enjoying no, themselves, no, having like, a good time, COVID, like filling the air. Like, you know, I'm like, oh well, my God, okay, 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 Gary, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play devil's advocate because I, I get what you're saying. And it's actually the way I think too, but really, temperature doesn't necessarily mean lack of COVID, right? Because we have asymptomatic, oh. 80% of people are asymptomatic, and, right? And people lie on the screening, exactly. On the screening so, well. so is that just Wait, like your own a... comfort level? Yeah, it, I mean, it's basically like, um, you know, when you have an alarm for your house, right? You know, some people uh, actually don't have alarm, just have a sticker out front, right? right? And then some people have the sticker and the alarm. But even if you have the sticker and the alarm, it doesn't necessarily mean that someone's not going to break in your house. True. You know, but it's a deterrent. It's like there's there's some level of, you know. Security. There's security, some level, yes. Yeah. Even though it's it's it might Peace give you. Peace of mind. Yeah, but it might be a false sense of mind sense of mind is giving you it still gives you something to work from okay what about oh, you for Kyle? Your comfort level yeah 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 what about you kyle like what how are you feeling about all this what are what are you scared of if you what what's the worry if you do get infected dying <laughs> okay simple uh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, and and then and I think it to someone else who might die. Right, and I think right. for me, it's just you know, like for example, I had my um my wife's uh, grandmother with us for like four months, right? Okay. At that time, my mindset was I could never be that person to bring it into this house. Do you see what I'm right. saying? So I took that above and beyond. Like I'm talking about, I changed my clothes uh, after my day was done at work, came home, jumped in the shower. I was wearing a, uh, a, a respirator mask, all this extra stuff because of the fact that even if it's if, if it's not for me, it's literally just that mindset. I can never imagine putting her in any situation like that. But right. minus the respirator, yeah, all yeah. of those things you probably should have been doing. Anyway, well, not before COVID. I'm talking. About, I'm still yeah, well, doing it now. I, I'm saying, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I probably I'm st- should have been doing that stuff. Right. Right. Anyway. Well, what what do you guys think about this whole? I'm sorry for going off track, but the ADA came out and says, "Oh, you don't have to change your clothes anymore." I think. I think. Uh, Kyle, I know Kyle leaves his clothes at the office right. and and washes them there. Correct. No. Oh, no. Okay. Go ahead, I, Kyle. No, I don't. I don't. No. I. I I change at the office. Uh-huh. I don't wear my I don't wear my scrubs out of the office. So I I wear street clothes to the office. I change there. Oh, there you go. Um, I I change before I leave the office. I bring my scrubs home and I, I wash them at my house. Okay. Okay. Uh, right. But no, I yeah I don't wash them at the office. Right. And all so right. I mean, so same, we're all changing is what we're saying. Yes, exactly. Right. But but like I remember one time Kyle mentioned like you were in the grocery store and you saw someone in their scrubs in the grocery. Right. Store. Yeah. 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 And and it made you like feel 
itchy and yucky. And <laughs> <laughs> For lack of better words, I'm right? not touching that can. Yeah, but, I don't but, think I don't think the scrub should be worn out public. Yeah, yeah, like because I mean, even pre-COVID, like that's just disgusting. You know, no matter what, yeah, yeah, like there's all types of bacteria, you know, whatever from you know from just from patients. Yeah, bacteria, fungus, virus. Yeah. We're covered yeah. in it. Yeah. Well, but so, then what do you guys think about these new like fancy scrubs that people wear out? Like it's like a it's like a three piece suit. I mean, okay, I look like this. If they're if you are completely gowned, like I'm gowned the entire time I this from the second I walk in the office. Okay. So um Does that so mean that you you're not gonna be covered? Yeah. So in that situation, like my, essentially my scrubs are clean when I leave. Okay. You know, from my besides my own sweat. And, right. And, you know, yeah, body. I think I think it depends on the person and what their job is. If it's a, a nurse that or if it's a front desk worker that's sitting behind a desk just doing paperwork, office work, right? And she's wearing her scrubs to work, wearing them home. She isn't really in a treatment room, right? Being exposed to anything. So being on the outside looking in, you don't really know what somebody's job is. But if I saw another dentist out in public that was at the grocery store that I I knew him personally or knew that he was a dentist and he's in his scrubs going to Costco buying food, that's I don't think that's the smartest thing to do. So you look at it as like gloves. So yeah. anyone wearing gloves, you automatically assume the gloves are dirty. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I've seen people like lick the gloves to like get the <laughs> get the you know the bags when they stick together at the grocery store. Yeah. And I disgusting. And I look at it. I'm like, well, what was the point of having the gloves on then? Don't, yeah, right after you, they touched money. Too. Yes. Yeah, don't yeah. you guys oh. remember the days when uh, you just lick your thumb when you're going through the, the papers or money or something to make sure you're sticking you're, They're everything? not sticking together. True. <laughs> True. Yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's a bit much, man. Like I said, I think it's my own mental blockage. I really do. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm very happy I got my cleaning. She did an excellent job. But I think while I was not, I think I know while I was there, it was initially very uncomfortable for me. No, I, I about half the patients uh, in my area anyway. Again, I'm in a small town, so half the people believe in it, half the people don't. So right. half the people are uncomfortable with it. And if they're uncomfortable, they cancel their appointment. I try to go over or have the staff go over the safety precautions we had, the, the track record dentistry has had, and uh, the overall effects on your health of not going to right. medical appointments, dental appointments, that puts you more at risk than potential exposure to COVID. But if, like, you're the person in the chair, the since you're the only one not wearing a mask, right. I, you're the safest person <laughs> in the room. You're kind of infecting everybody else right. that may not be wearing their mask correctly. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, I do believe though, like, um, just from, and I'll just speak for the offices that I go to and the people I deal with. Like, I mean, everybody, everybody's literally wearing like double masks, face shields, goggles, everything. Like any pore that could be exposed to, uh, any kind of aerosol or the air like, is covered. You know what I mean? So I, like you said, I think patients should have that kind of ease of mind. You know, I I think Gary said it best. I, my control issues are what's what's preventing me from being like, okay, I need to go do this. You know, until yeah. like two days ago. You right. know, what guys, I, mean? I I had a nightmare this week of uh, this was like six months in the future. 
I, everybody out in public had to wear a mask, a face shield, full disposable gown. And I was sitting in a city at some, uh, conference center taking a, a class. You know, you, you just get hot and you start freaking out and kind of get claustrophobic from being in all that stuff. And that was the, the world we lived in at the time. And it just, I woke up and I was like, this is too much. I'm, I'm I, my mind's on it too much. Yeah. That's it. Mm. Yeah. And I, I can see that. I can see that, especially with the fact that it's like 24-7. Like, if you watch any kind of TV, that's all you hear, man. You know? Yeah, well, yeah, they're they're encouraging people to wear ma- wear masks in the house. And, uh, I, I mean, it makes sense if you're having a bunch of people over that you're not normally with, especially right. with Thanksgiving, open the windows, keep airflow, right. uh, wear, wear your masks when you can. But, uh, no, uh, Thanksgiving was definitely a different, different experience this yeah. year. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, very mm-hmm. much so. But anyway, well, let's 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 jump into our topic for today, which is basically traveling dentistry, right? Okay. Um, I travel. I go to about seven offices. You know, as a periodontist, uh, Doctor Dennis, you travel. You know, um, I do. Right, and and so, and I know other people that are actually traveling. And I, I'm going to speak for Texas, and Doctor Dennis, you can, you know. Uh, co-sign this or not, but I feel like in Texas, a lot of uh, corporations are down here, right? And this model of specialists coming into your office is pretty well known down here, you know? So having your own practice is, I think, to me, I think is very difficult because the general dentists have gotten very comfortable with the um, specialists coming into their office to practice. And I'm I'm not sure if the patients are at that level yet, but that's what I'm seeing more and more, you know. And if somebody starts off uh, going and doing traveling dentistry, traveling endo, ortho, whatever it may be, and then tries to open their practice, to me, I feel like the the dentist that used to have them in their office is just going to replace them with someone else. And then that referral may, is not going to follow you. It's not like all of a sudden they're going to say, okay, cool, thanks for leaving, you know, thanks for leaving, but I'm still going to send you patients. And that's what I'm kind of seeing in Texas anyway. Uh, when it comes to the amount of traveling dentists there are, and there are traveling general dentists, because I know a few that do that as well. Uh, so I'm gonna say yes and no to that. What, you, um, what part for okay. ortho? For for ortho, I agree with you that you know if a orthodontist is, is a traveling orthodontist and working for um, different corporations and whatnot, mm-hmm. and then decides to open up their own practice. They are not going to get any of those referrals uh, that they had from inside that corporate entity uh, because they're doing the same type of treatment that they were doing in that corporate office and in their private office. Now, let's take Endo, for example. In a corporate office, there's a limitation to what type of treatment you're going to do there because one... You're not going to be there maybe once or twice a month. And then two, there's probably equipment that is not available to you in that corporate office that is available in a private endodontic practice. So for endo, yes, uh, you're, you're going to get, you would get fewer referrals from a corporate office and to a private, uh, office, but you're still going to get some just because of the type of cases that will have to be referred to a private endodontic practice, which are more complex. In what way? Di- Can you go and, I mean, I just want to know the difference because to me, I don't know why like a, a, 
a, a corporation wouldn't put the money towards buying whatever equipment that that would be in the endodontic office. Like, why would okay. they, what would stop them from what would stop them from doing that so that they could bring the endodontist so they could do everything there? Well, again, it's not it's not necessarily. I mean, the equipment is is one factor, but then right. also the other factor is you're not there every day. So, for instance, uh, if you're going to do uh, apicoectomy, mm-hmm. so endodontic surgery, like I don't know hardly anyone that's going to do that in a, in a corporate office because you need follow up with the patient. I'm okay. putting sutures in. We're not putting in uh, resorbable sutures. So the sutures need to be removed. So the, I need to see the patient three, four days after I did the initial treatment to remove the sutures. Then I need to do another follow-up in a month uh, just to look at the healing. And then maybe another follow-up three months after that just to make sure everything looks great. But you're not going to do that in a, in a private – I mean in a uh, corporate setting. You're going to do that in a private endodontic setting because you're in the same place every day. Can I can now, I let me play can I play a devil's advocate uh with, when with that statement you just made ready so one you say the sutures need to be removed why can't a general dentist do that or their assistants the fo- right right the follow up well you're gonna, just, no you're no you're going to trust someone else to do something that you right doing? and then the follow up for me is okay so there's zoom there's facetime there's so many different ways that you could look at the tissue without being in the same room they need I'm, you for I'm the surgery. FaceTime in the middle that. of your day to, to do this. I'm asking. I'm asking these things I'm, as the devil's I'm, advocate. I'm, I'm going to answer that question because I'm the general dentist that right. brought in uh, a specialist that was doing more advanced procedures that I'm not comfortable comfortable mm-hmm. with, and I, I'm the one that's doing the follow up. If there's a problem, then I'm the one that's kind of on the hook to on, at that moment to take responsibility, tell the patient this is what to expect, this is what we need to do. Where I might have no idea. That's why I'm bringing the specialist in, and I don't want to deal with the the headaches of post ops. Mm-hmm. One, because the specialist is the one that got paid the majority for the case, mm-hmm. and two, as a post op, I'm really not getting paid to to handle things that are outside my comfort realm. I agree. Okay. So, okay. so, but tra- again, with, again, with, you, with both of you guys being traveling, yeah, specialists. Uh, what what made you guys decide to go that route versus the traditional route of having your own building, having your own uh, one location business, or uh, and uh, just having referrals come to you? All right, I guess I'll answer that one first, Gary. Sure. Okay, uh, so for me, actually, I wanted to go that route. I when okay. I was finishing uh, residency, I came down here like three or four times to meet with the periodontist. Um, I mean, literally, like I came, shadowed him. I did everything I, I thought needed to happen. He was, yeah, man, this is great. We're going to do this, da, da, da. And then like last minute, literally last minute, he calls me. He's like, yeah, I don't see this working. Uh, he had an associate before that he expected them to go get uh, referrals into the office, right? And he was like, yeah, that didn't work out. And on top of that, he was going through some personal stuff uh, where he was getting a divorce and stuff. So he had to work more now. So to basically mm-hmm. maintain the lifestyle, he had a, he couldn't afford to have somebody else come in to take some of the revenue away. Is okay. how he kind of posted. He was very honest about it, you know. But that was like, man, like last minute, you know. Uh, and but I was already like, I'm moving down here. I already have an apartment, <laughs> you know. Like I was coming down here no matter what. And so that kind of sucked, right? And then I and then I had already contacted other 
uh, private practices and no one really, I mean, like it was like two or three people that got back to me and he was the only one that showed that interest to like have somebody come on board. Do you see what I'm saying? So I was kind of stuck to, I'm coming down here. I need to do something. And for the first like three or four months, I was, I, I actually practiced as a general dentist and I tempt in different offices, which I thought was actually beneficial looking back at it now because it allowed me to one, get to know Houston because I was traveling right. everywhere. And on top of that, it allowed me to kind of see what kind of dental offices were around here in Houston, you see. Okay. Um, but when it came to, like, where, where was I going to work as a specialist, it, it had to be, for me, the only thing that was left was corporations. And one corporation was starting a perio program, and I was like, yeah, that's great. I'll be able to build something and, and see it grow and so forth. So that's kind of what I ended up going that way for. Does that make sense? But But, but why not a... Go rent a space, put in your own chairs, uh, have your own standalone practice. One, I, I don't know anybody down here. I didn't know anybody down here at the time, right? Uh, so okay. f- for me, I feel like if I was in Pittsburgh where I graduated, it would have been easier because I would have known the general dentist and so forth. So I could have grabbed okay. some of that referral. Like just, hey, I know his work and so forth. But me right. just setting up and saying, hey, I'm in town. Let's go ahead and do that. One, it would have been tough. Two, I had tons of student loans and that scared me. You know what I mean? I had like $455,000 worth of student loans. And I'm like, so how much money do I need to add? I don't even know where I would even begin to build an office. So there was nothing. I knew nothing about Houston. I didn't know where I would even like set up. You know, at least when you're in an environment, you could say, let me work here, get to know the area and then set up somewhere. You know what I mean? I didn't know (laughs) Sugarland from, you know, Katie. I, I knew nothing. You know, gotcha. so that was the hardest for me. It was like I was coming in brand new, knew nothing, and then I was like, yeah, there's no way I'm going to set up. Okay. And the student loans didn't help the situation either. How about, <laughs> they never do. How, how, <laughs> right. how, how about you, Gary? Uh, so when I moved to Houston, um, I also didn't know anyone down here. And I worked in a, I worked in a private uh, endodontic practice uh, for like six months. And... Um, during that time, I was uh, trying to build up my referral base, but like all the dentists that I knew that were here were already referring to the practice. So I couldn't find any new referrals. Mm. So that, that was a problem. So uh, it, was, it wasn't very profitable uh, for me in that office. And then I also uh, didn't necessarily like how the business was run but it wasn't my business right but but i didn't like how it was run so um that led me to search for other realms or areas uh of employment and then that's how i ended up um working with a a dso okay and you guys both of you are independent contractors with yeah. the DSO or are you employees of the DSO? A independent contractor. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm, I've, I've never, even when I worked in the endodontic, uh, private endodontic practice, I was still an independent contractor. I've never worked okay. for any entity ever as an employee. Uh, as an employee. Okay. Yeah. Which I feel like a lot of people might want to consider that honestly, being a, if you have the option, being a, being an independent contractor to me, I think outweighs, I mean, the benefits are incredible. The amount of write-offs and so forth, I think they're very beneficial. You know, some people feel comfortable with the whole employee W-2, but once you become an independent contractor, I feel like you can never just go back. 
Right. I mean, I can't yeah. speak for Dr. Dennis, but you know. No, I completely agree. Yeah. But but I didn't. Um, but Kyle, to actually answer your question, um, why I didn't, I don't have my own uh, like brick and mortar building mm-hmm. uh, was because like once I started working uh, with these entities, the the profit was so great that uh, with the minimal overhead that if I were to open up my own office, I wouldn't have taken home the same amount of money that I was right. taking home uh, with, with, the, with the corporation. No, I agree. It's uh, the amount of overhead for your real estate, the all the buying the equipment. It's, it's a lot easier to go into somebody else's practice, kind of lease that spot or borrow that spot from them in a, a mutually beneficial way where you're able to take home, you know, money uh, that you want to take home without the risks of relying on a bunch of other people. And if you don't like the practice, you don't like patients, it's pretty easy to walk away, go, go <laughs> elsewhere, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, streamline. Okay. Streamline. Yeah, streamline. That's right. <laughs> so, so what do you guys think? I mean, what do you guys think is like the, uh, the, the, Negative. Let's talk about negative first before we talk about positives. Like, what do you think are some of the negatives, uh, Dr. Dennis? And I'll give you some of mine uh, when it comes to not being within your own office and having to kind of travel around. So some of the negatives are um, you have <laughs> broken chairs. Yeah, broken <laughs> <laughs> yeah, chairs, broken computers. Uh, but you have, you have less control over your schedule um, because you're not there. You know, uh, so you don't really know what's I mean, you can give guidelines and advice. But again, what's put on the schedule is put on the schedule. But then also. um, Sometimes uh, with the owner doctors, there may be a disconnect from why you're there. Okay. some some owner doctors understand that you are there to work with them. But some think you work for them, okay. And and then that cre- that creates a disconnect. Uh, so that can that can lead to issues, right? Uh, and then um, there's still well, I mean, this is a negative and a positive. Is office drama? Like you still there's still gonna, there's always going to be drama. Everybody's human. There's always going to be drama. But like your overall office drama, you won't be in because you're only there a certain amount of times a month. But you still might have your own drama. <laughs> with them. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, I mean, I think the biggest negative is is when there's a disconnect from understanding of why why you're there, and then people aren't really working as a team, and and uh, people, which is understandable. Like if you you know if you own the practice, you know you want things done uh, a specific way, but Again, you know, if you have someone coming in as an independent contractor, uh, I feel like you need to understand that that person is coming in to benefit your your practice and create revenue for your practice. Because if they weren't there, then all of that revenue would be going elsewhere or out outside of your office. Uh, okay, so I, I, can I pause real quick? Actually, yeah, yeah, you ahead, just thought it, this is the biggest thing that a lot of uh, general dentists that own the practice and a lot of specialists that work in that office 
have an argument about. Okay, mm-hmm. and Kyle, I want I want your input on this. The one discussion is, well, you should be grateful to me because I'm referring the patients to you. Mm-hmm. I, I you know I've heard that a lot of times. Okay. Look how I'm actually sending these patients to you as a specialist, and so you should be so grateful to me that I'm actually sending you the patient. But Gary said something, which is, well, if it, if I didn't do it, you couldn't do it, so you'd be sending it out. Right. So let's talk about that, Gary. Like, like how do you teeter between that? That well, I appreciate the referral, but you also have to kind of see from my point of view in a way. I mean, I the 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 clear. The easiest way for me to explain it uh, to a an, an owner doctor, an owner dentist that I work with, is that um, you can plug and play your receptionist, but you cannot plug and play your specialist. Right, but should there's you be no, should be you grateful? No other, should you be grateful yeah. though? Well, you got to Let's, of course, let's speak I'm on grateful. That. I'm grateful for any patient that's put on my schedule. Right, uh, but at the same time, if you want someone to do what i do there's only me that can do that do endo you know? or do what, no, what does that do mean it the way that i do it what does that mean that means that uh, let's just say in the in the city of houston right or the greater greater metropolitan area of houston there are probably not more than five endodontists that can treat a patient as fast as i can as fast as i can have uh, the success rate as high as I have and, uh, you know, generate the same amount of revenue and want to come to your office. That's the main thing. And want to come to your office because the other three guys don't want to come to your office. They can do that, you know? So that, once that is known, then, uh, then I think that that kind of levels the playing ground as far as like, you can you can get somebody else to come in here and do your endo if you want, but they're not going to be able to do it the same way that I do it. So you're saying that they should be grateful that you're in their office. <laughs> I didn't. I I'm didn't playing. Say de- that. Listen, I'm playing devil's advocate. <laughs> well, Kyle, saying, do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> like like I'm playing devil. Look, what I'm saying is that yeah. this is a team, right? right? And 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 I'm Tom Brady. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, Tom. And we got six rings. <laughs> you want to get another ring? You stick with me, or you can you can go get Cam Newton <laughs> and not get another ring. I see, I see, I see. Yeah, you know, uh, well, the way I would answer, the way I always tell people is, I feel like they're all looking at it completely wrong. Like it's not a, it's not a. Oh, I'm grateful. Or you should be grateful to me. That's not the whole point. Like you gotta understand that. Run, I'm I'm utilizing you for your office and the space and so forth. So you're helping me out, right? And then I'm also helping you out because now you don't have to refer patients out and you get a cut of the revenue that you didn't do. So for me, it's a beneficial, like symbiotic relationship and people need to get out of their own way and let it just happen naturally. I mean, the people that understand that it's a team, it is a team. Right. Like if you can, if everybody gets that, then it's a it's a smooth right, you know. No, I, as a general dentist, I completely agree with uh, with what you said. Walt is look, I, especially this time of year, uh, the specialists that I work with, it, it's you know Christmas time. They like to send you know stuff to the office, gift baskets, uh, uh, gestures of thanks for the patients that I send them. Right. And in my head, whenever I became owner and I started getting these things, in my head, I'm thinking. 
why are you guys sending me stuff? I feel like I should be sending you stuff because you give me a place to send patients that I don't know what else to do with that I can't handle on my own. Whether it's, I don't do third molar extractions. I don't do uh, root canal retreatments. I don't do perio surgery. Uh, so to have a network that I can send people to, uh, in my area, there aren't any traveling specialists. Everybody has their own office. Yeah. I, I send patients there. So it would be nice to have the specialists come in because patients don't want to have to drive 45 minutes to the next town, find a new office, uh, or find a, a new place that they haven't been before. And so I, I, as a general dentist, if I can get a little cut of that income also and keep it in the house, in my office, keep the patients happier, make everything easier on them and, uh, you know, give you guys the opportunity to work. I, I think that is, like you said, a symbiotic relationship. And I think it just makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of ego in dentistry. And, you know, this is why I'm asking. We're all type A. Right. And that's, yeah. I mean, this is why we're, I think we're having this discussion because there's a lot of ego. And for me, it almost seems like, you know, um, <laughs> it's like it's like doing something good, right? Uh, but then wanting the uh, accolades for it. it. Like, it's like I volunteered at a, you know, a shelter. And then mm -hmm. you're going to post it on Facebook how great you are for volunteering at a shelter. Let it go. You did something good. <laughs> Just, mm -hmm. you don't need everybody to know how great you are. Just right. keep it moving. You know what I mean? And I think the problem is a lot of dentists, it's if not the specialist or the GP or whoever, they need to feel important. And I think that's what it comes down to. Like Kyle doesn't feel that need to feel important, right? So you're like, I mean, listen, I'm helping my patients out, move on my life, right? But a lot of people are like, well, look how great I'm, look, look how much, you know, referral I gave you. You should be so happy for that. Or, you know, the specialists are like, well, look, look, look at what I'm doing for you. And you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's yeah. so much of a competition for no reason. And the only person that should be really competing is the patient to see if they want to deal with either one of you guys. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah. really what it comes down to. In the end, the patient made a decision. It wasn't you telling the patient to go. It was the patient saying, I'm going to go. Right. And the patient making the decision coming to your office as a GP. You know what I mean? So I think people need to get out of their way. And that's what I'm noticing more and more. You know, COVID really exposed a lot of greed in dentistry. And mm -hmm. that could be another topic, but it exposed mm -hmm. a lot of greed in dentistry because I think COVID basically gave us that break. And and it was two reactions. It was, you know what, let me do everything I possibly can to um, make sure that my patients come back to a safe environment or BS and then and, and make everything an emergency so you can still continue to run an operation that looked like before COVID. You know, I knew people that were making, you know, profies an emergency. And I put that quotation. You see, so the greed was still there. And I think that's, those are the people that just will not last long. Sooner or later, patients I, will catch on. I don't know. If, I, I wouldn't go as far as that. that's greed. I, I think that is trying to balance the business side and the patient treatment side of dentistry. Well, okay. I mean, Profi. in some instances, Profi. it might be greed. Profi. It might be greed. Right. No, I'm, I'm talking about profies. I, I'm, I'm talking about profies, like legitimately profies. I'm not talking about SRPs you, or, you know so, what I mean? So, so profies aren't needed? I'm not saying they're not needed. I don't think there's an emergency. Well, People go like years without getting the teeth cleaned. Profi, you know, it's going to reduce, uh, you know, inflammation in your gums. Right, to, right. Uh, decrease disease and then potentially um, make you safer against COVID. Profies. 
And this is a, from well, a paradonis. This is from a paradonis. I mean, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> Profies. You know, it's like, remember, okay. remember okay. Uh, Alan Iverson when he was like, practice. We're talking about practice. <laughs> We're talking about trophies, guys. Like you know, Kyle, I I hundred percent agree with you. The SRPs and stuff, it could lead to something way worse, abscess and so forth. Right? That I completely agree with. And if somebody came in with an abscess or something associated with perio, absolutely. But. I'm talking about like they were doing profies on little kids. And that's the part that I was like, ah, now we're stretching it a little bit. And that's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting at. I mean, and that's, you know. I, I, well, I think that part of that is adjusting to uh, government regulations yep. that weren't based in science. So, <laughs> Very true. And uh, I'll agree with yeah. you. Because yeah. they open. If they're going to give me, <laughs> if they're going to give me a gray area that I can stretch where I can still stay, stay in business, still right. help my patients. I'm probably going to stretch that little bit of a gray area because okay. if I don't believe in that regulation, then there it is. I'm going to go anywhere, any way I can to get around it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. Like I know, I remember um, back when we were in emergency treatment only. Yeah. March, this, was it this, March, April, May, right? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I think May 8th is when they went off. Some, something right. Like yeah. It's like, so it was like right? March, April, beginning of May. Yeah. I had this patient um, who came in. Definitely needed a root canal, right? The patient told me that the tooth doesn't really hurt. And it's easily managed with Tylenol. So I said, <laughs> well, <laughs> this is emergency treatment only now uh, <laughs> from Governor Abbott. Mm -hmm. So based off what you told me, this is not an emergency. And she was irate. Well, Gary, you could have been like, you could have been like, now, if you said you were in pain now, but, uh, all so of a sudden. Like, so you're not in pain. No. And I'm like, what? Like, so you're giving her hints. She was, she was so pissed off. Um, she's like, I took the day off for this and all that. And I'm like, you know, I, I completely understand, but, you know, I don't make the law. <laughs> you know and you gave her hints you were like you gave her hints like hey if you say you're yeah. in pain you are you in pain <laughs> no you're not in any pain no so you're not in pain <laughs> <laughs> well yeah you tried you tried yeah i'm like man come on uh mm -hmm. and tylenol not even ibuprofen if tylenol is doing the trick that doesn't hurt that, that doesn't yeah. hurt. okay Okay, so what are the what are the positives of uh of traveling? Positives are um decreased overhead, uh being able to work with multiple teams and uh you know, if you really got a good relationship, you can you know, you can streamline everything and then you can maximize uh patient treatment because everything can get done in the same place and fewer visits. Right. Now, if it, me as a general dentist, if I wanted to start looking for bringing a, a traveling mm -hmm. specialist to come into my office, what does that, if you guys don't mind sharing, what does that contract look like between you, the specialist, and the general dentist office? What are the logistics involved in scheduling patients, getting payment when insurance is involved? Are they prepaying to get into your schedule? Are they uh, are you waiting to 
get a reimbursement check from the office at some point once the patient and the insurance company pay because you're I mean it's not really your office you're you're not in in charge of telling the staff when to send out statements so what what does all that look like so um the, the contractual arrangement can be made in many different ways so i mean you can have <clears throat> a contractual arrangement where it's strictly the the providers getting paid off of production mm-hmm. which i think is the wisest because for for who do they have, for who for the for the for the specialist for the specialist yeah. yeah yeah because they have no control over you know Collections. who's yeah who's collect how the money's being collected um but then you can also have ones that are you know based off of adjusted production you can have ones that are based off of collections then you know the percentages are going to be different you can have you can arrange it so that that particular office is providing all the instrumentation all the supplies the assistance the equipment or you can set it up so that the specialist is providing their own assistant, their own equipment, their own supplies. Their, you know, so there's like there's a multitude of ways uh, that it can be set up and and um, arranged so that it's it makes sense for for everybody, for both parties. Well, so can I sum it up, can I sum it up this way, Gary? Um, Whoever is taking on more responsibility should more than likely get more percentage. Is, is you know kind of what I've seen when it comes to uh, con- contracts. You know, like so, if the office is providing everything and all the specialist has to do is show up, based on what I've seen, and Gary, you can correct me again, it's either fifty-fifty or the office gets more percentage. Correct. Right. Okay. So but you have to look it, into that as well. Yeah, but I mean, I've seen stuff where like if the specialist is coming, they're bringing their own assistance, all right. the equipment, all the supplies. Uh, they might be taking seventy percent. That's it. Yeah. So again, the, whoever's coming in with the most to lose is kind of taking on most of the percentage home, or whoever whoever has the most overhead. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is the one that's going to take the higher percentage right. generally. Okay. Yeah. Now you you both said you work in five, seven, nine offices, some something like that, different right. offices. Right. Do you ha- do you have a standard contract when you're signing up with a new office that? This is kind of this is what my contract is. Take it or leave it. Well, pretty. No. I mean, for me, pretty much, pretty much. I mean, it it all it all fluctuated. I want to say post COVID. I want to say that then I started changing it up a little bit. But pre COVID, it was pretty consistent because you know there was no other issues to deal with when it came to uh, PPEs, when it came to other stuff like that. But Gary, you can speak on it more. I mean, uh, again. You have to look at it as you got to break it down per office or per entity, because some entity might have four offices that you're going to. Another entity might have six offices that you're going to. Another one might only have one office. Mm-hmm. Each entity, you're probably going to have a completely different contract. Well, so wait a minute, Gary. So my question, I guess, to you is you're not dealing with like each office is not going to be uh, an individual contract. Um. It depends on how that. So let's say DSO. It depends on how that DSO is set up. Okay. Like if you're working for four DSOs, some DSOs, the way their business structure is, they have an individual contract for each individual office. Mm-hmm. Other DSOs have one contract that is for all of the offices. Oh, okay, okay. So that's what's like, and then like, oh, what if you go to your, I don't know, your cousin's office? Right. You know, that's going to be a completely separate 
contract or like how it's set up. Like I'm sure with your your cousin, you know, you might be they might be like, hey, it's fifty fifty, you know, mm-hmm. like we're family, whatever, you know. But like the other ones m- might be something completely different. See, so for me, it was just like I was basing it off of I just deal with that office and say, you know, this office here's the address, so forth. This is a contract. But you're saying that hey. You've worked with like entities. You've actually worked with like a company that had like five offices, six offices that you basically worked, you know, kind of contracted and, and went around with them. Correct. Multi- different different DSOs okay. are going to have different structures. One different business models, yeah. structures. Yeah, different different contractual arrangements. Okay. Right. Next question for when you're providing patient treatment, writing your your notes. I assume you guys are using the whatever office you're working at. You're using their system, whether it's computerized <laughs> charts or yeah. so you're you're not keeping your own records. If you needed to say if a patient sued you, uh, you know, three years after the treatment, you'd have to go back to that office mm-hmm. to get whatever information that is. Uh, are you running? Do you as a uh, as your own separate business, are you running audits on these offices to make sure you're getting paid what you're supposed to be getting paid, or is it a, just a, a straight trust factor? Uh, you better, yeah, like, you better know that 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 system very well when it comes to getting paid. Uh, but I'm, for 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 notes, it's almost impossible to keep your own notes because that'd be hundreds of thousands of patients. Where would you keep? I mean, you would have to literally have a storage area for those notes and a storage area that's actually uh would you know um would would HIPAA go with compliant. a HIPAA exactly. And so yep. that's that's tough. That that you can't I don't see anybody being able to do because you'd have to make yeah. copies and then store it in an area where what if it's digital? What if it's you know if it was all back in the day we all wrote, you know, paper charts, that might be a little easier, but I still that's a lot. I mean uh, b- back to the to the pay. You see, that's all Gary's worried about. Uh, <laughs> it's not all of them. He asked two parts. He asked two parts. No, he asked two parts of the question. Any, any dentist that works anywhere. Yes. Anywhere. Yes. Should be getting a day sheet. Yes. Right. When they leave at the end of the day. It doesn't matter who you, what, where you're working, what you do. Like, yeah. so you know exactly what procedures yes. you've done yes. and how much uh, revenue you generated. So you can keep your own personal record. If you're not doing that, then I guarantee you, you're probably losing some money. Well, and Gary, don't forget this part too. Making sure you keep up with them. So if somebody writes something off, you better know it like that day. If Mm. somebody's like, oh, let's write off $5. I tell people, I don't care if it's a dollar. You're telling me what's going on. And I'm going to make sure that my paper that you gave me at the end of that day matches whenever I'm getting paid. That better match. If not, I'm coming back with you with some vengeance. Like what's going on? Five dollars is is tough. That's no, that's I, I I tell you know. <laughs> see, <laughs> I'll be the first one to let you know. Anytime you write anything off that involves me, I need to know. Yeah, I need right. period. See, I, I mean, I automatically if you do that assume. though, no. But if you do that, Gary, like down, they know the standard that you want to hold. If you, you no, know, I agree with you. Because then what are you going to say? Oh well, it's a hundred. That's okay with him too. It doesn't make any sense. Well, so for me, I I don't think, or I have not been in business with any entity that collected more than about 90%. So I automatically know that whatever I generated, 
I'm already losing 10% off the top. Okay. So I do mine based off of that. So if 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 we did $1,000 today and there's a $100 write-off, that's when I need notified. If it's less than that, I already assume I'm losing that anyway. Okay. So this is what you tell them. So you actually let them know 10% is okay with me. No. Well, then they can't do it. So, so no, but but what do you tell them? I definitely do not tell them. <laughs> no, but what do you t- but what do you tell them though? Because you have to have a standard, right? And that's what I think people want to hear is what do you think, tell them to? I think I think get them- I think mine. I think I told them a um, hundred dollars. I think I told them if anything is more than a hundred, if if all the write offs are more than a hundred dollars, you need to tell me. If okay. it's less than a hundred dollars, then You're okay don't tell me. Okay. Yeah, don't bother me. With right, it. and these are the things that people need to know. Yeah. Okay. But it's not uh, the same. Like if a if a hundred dollar bill fell on my pocket, I would be very upset. So it's not it's, <laughs> it's not the same. So so what if like you did a consultation and they just never went to the patient for that hundred dollars, and that consultation cost a hundred. So you did a free consultation. Are you okay with that? Um, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> it's a hundred dollars. It. But I I understand this is hypothetical. Yes. But 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 I'm a realist, and that would not happen because uh-huh. if I was doing a consultation, like of all the offices I've ever worked in, mm-hmm. they're like eighty five percent insurance based. So, and I check all of the fees prior, all the codes, fees, check, like everything in the chart before I see any any patient. So that would just not happen. Okay, okay. With, with insurance, you brought up insurance fees. Uh, specialists get paid more than general dentists to do whatever procedure they're doing. So me as a general dentist doing a root canal, if I'm in the same town as Gary, Gary's going to get paid more because he's a specialist. Uh, not necessarily true. It depends really? on the insurance because there okay. are plenty of insurances that um, do not have a specialist rate. Really? Hmm. Yes, they do it. They do it based off of office, not okay. off of uh, the person that is providing the treatment. So, if it's a general dentist's office, then guess what the fees are? See that—that's what I thought was one of the benefits of bringing a specialist in. Is now I'm a general dentist. If I do this root canal and say I get six hundred dollars for it, but if I bring in a specialist and he gets a thousand dollars for it, but He's in I mean, my office now, so I get you know fifty percent of that. I'm getting roughly the same amount, but uh, no work, it, no work for it. Yeah, I mean, all right. So in in most cases, yes, that that is how it plays out. Mm-hmm. But but not in all cases. Like for okay. instance, MetLife. I think MetLife. I don't know if it's HMO, DMO, or whatever. There isn't a for in the Houston metropolitan area. There is not a specialty rate. Uh, or they don't do it that way. They do it per the office. So if you have a general dentist office, then it's general dentist fees for like you're not you're not going to get recognized as a uh, for a specialty fee in that office. Okay. Next next insurance question because whenever I've gone to be a temporary at a different office uh, or I go to work for a different office, it takes three months, mm-hmm. even though I, I've worked with the insurance company at different offices before, I still need to get recredentialed at a new den- a new office that I'm working at. So are you guys doing that also as specialists where you're 
having the credential with the insurance company at each specific physical address. Yep. And yes. doing doing that three month waiting period. Yep. And so you have all kind of con you don't have just, you know, one six insurance companies, no. you have six per office right. or whatever they're participating with. Yep. Yep. Times the infinite In, amount in, of Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. Wow. It's that's the part I remember Go ahead. No, I was going to say that's the problem. So a lot of times when somebody wants you in their office, you have to plan ahead. You can't just be like, oh, I'm coming in next month and that's when we start. No, it's we're planning this out like three months in advance. So that day when I start, we're actually up and going. And some offices are better than other offices. And then you have to get on the insurance and make sure that you're on time and on schedule to get that. Because like you said, Kyle, it takes like three months. You know, some offices may lag lack in that. And then all of a sudden, it's been four months, five months, and the insurance hasn't done anything. And you're like, well, we can't start with this patient because their insurance hasn't been credentialed yet. So now you're right. losing out on money and the confidence of that patient. Right. Uh, it's funny you said that about the, the the infinite amount of insurance contracts. Because one time I had this patient, and uh, the patient said, I went on my on my insurance website to, to look for an endodontist, and there were 13 Dr. Gary Dennis's. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know which one. You should have been like, you, you should pick the first one. They're the best. Yeah, you pick the, you pick the right one. That's what, I think I might have said you picked the right one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I, but, uh, I think that that goes to speak how complicated insurance companies like to make things. You, yeah. you would think if mm-hmm. you're a provider that's credentialed with that insurance company, you could practice pretty much any office that you want to and stay under that same contract. But right. uh, one of those areas that we all hope that insurance companies might hopefully fix at some point in the future. Oh, also, the fees change for zip code as well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. like... I might be in one zip code and let's say the, the root canal is $850. Mm-hmm. And then I go to this other zip code and it's $900, even though it's the same company, like everything is the same, but just the only thing that's changed is the zip code. <laughs> wow. Yep. Well, it's I mean, very it just, it's, yeah, it speaks to the fact that, I mean, insurance is there to make money. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> if yeah. insurance was there to mm-hmm. like help paper, people it would be a lot easier to do. And the paperwork would be literally a stack people yeah. you know what i mean like so yeah yeah that shows uh i i think that's a selling feature for insurance companies that they're not telling the patient if you're signing up 13 times they can sell to that patient we have a list of 13 endodontists <laughs> you're right so you can choose from 13 different locations you can go to but they don't tell you it well it's just one endodontist he's just credentialed with us 13 times right yep right Jeez. Mm-hmm. Well, let's 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 wrap this up here. It's almost been an hour of talking, but um, Doctor Dennis, I'm going to ask you this question, and I want your your complete honest opinion. If you had to do it again, no student loans, you knew everybody in Houston, uh, would you go the same route, or would you have just gone and opened your own practice? Definitely not. If I knew, if I if I went to dental school in Houston, yeah, I'll, I'll put it this way: I went I went to Howard. So we know if this. I if I still lived in DC, I, there's no way I would be doing what I'm doing. I would have opened up my own practice the second I walked out of uh, into uh, specialty. Yeah, 
Okay. Because um, I already have the network. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Is a lot of people don't realize that that network initial that initial network matters. You know, like you said, if I was in Pittsburgh, I don't I don't think I would have been traveling around at all because I already had a network of of people that I knew and knew my work. You know what I mean? Um, exactly. But with that being said, too, I mean, do you think that the decision you made was the right one? That's a follow up. Um, it's- it's it's been profitable. from a financial point exactly yeah it's been profitable um you know i i don't uh the thing is is like when i when i went into this realm i never thought i would still be doing it mm. i thought it was going to be more of a short term thing uh so um but that's that's based off of how profitable it's been mm. you know so but um you know, I'm uh, able to uh, or willing to always change and adapt uh, to depending on the times. Right. So if if there's a time I need to change and adapt, then I will change and adapt. I will. But, I, I will say for me, it's been very it's so I my, my patients get my phone number. It's it's not my exact phone number it's a um like a business number really but it goes mm-hmm. to my cell phone uh and so they can contact me and so for me it's like nothing's really changed because the office they'll call the office uh and and they'll just direct them to me anyway you know right. what i mean the hardest part is i'm always trying to figure out what did i do with this patient and where did i see them that is the right. hardest thing that i have to deal with it's yep. exactly <laughs> realizing where did i see you and when did i see you and what did i do on you you know, right. and yeah. the offices do not help with that. Like, I feel like it's even harder because it's just like, oh, yeah, doctor. OK, here, here's his number. Call him. It could be a simple question as when is my next appointment? I'm the one <laughs> getting that. And I'm like, I can't help you with that. So then I have to yeah. call the office and be like, hey, schedule this patient for this, this and this. So it's almost like my own practice anyway. You know what yeah. I mean? And mm-hmm. so it really isn't like it got any easier from that point of view. You know, I'm you still practice without any of the uh, patient charts or information exactly. to help you out. Exactly. That, that's that's yeah. and, my and number I, one statement to any patient that calls me is I had do not have access to your chart. Right. Currently. Yes. When did I see you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's the hardest part. It really is. Yeah. You know, if anybody's going to do this, I'm not saying that you don't do this, but you should understand that the, the luxury of having your own office is that you get to hire the people that you work with. You're coming in there. You're the victim of whoever they hired right so you have to either train them up or just accept that mm, this is who i'm working with you know what i mean so that's another thing so you lose a lot of control in that so somebody that gary's self-diagnosed as a control freak uh thank you gary uh, <laughs> 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 you'll get uh send me your bill uh, <laughs> but uh i already emailed it to you my man but uh but that's the problem right if you are that and so that if you're that kind of person, it's going to be very difficult for you for the first like year or two, if not longer, if you decide to stay that long, if you can stay. But given a little bit of control to the office or training the people up to do exactly what you want them to do is going to save you a lot of headache in the long run. So you have to be able to, to understand that it is your practice. It's just that you don't have the brick and mortar position. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely it's definitely not for everybody. Yeah. For sure. Um, you'd really, you really want to, it's for people who, who understand that working, uh, with a team of, of, of dentists in one place is, is, you know, can be beneficial. 
Um, but there's there's plenty of people that that doesn't that's just not going to work for it. You know. Yeah. 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 I agree. I agree. All right, gentlemen, let's go ahead and uh, cut it here. It's Black Friday. I'm gonna go look for something to to purchase. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a sale out there for something. You know? Oh, there's a sale on everything right now. Yeah, I know that's right. So I'm gonna go go and purchase something. Uh, but definitely appreciate you guys taking the time to uh, have this discussion. I think it's important to know that there are different ways to uh, make a profitable living as a dentist. And I don't know if it's easy er but it's it's a another route oh all right i I know you wanted to end it real quick no no please wanted, no, no, i want to say one more thing please yeah is that um you know i want to say that we are all uh in a in a situation uh that we are truly blessed even yeah. though you know we might have hardships and, and whatnot uh but the the way that uh america is is kind of breaking down right now uh, we we are truly blessed uh, to be able, like like you just said, it's Black Friday. I'm gonna go purchase something, you know, because there's there's a lot of people right now who, you know, can't 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 do that. Right. Um, right. And even even you know, uh, Mayor Turner was on the news earlier today, mm. and they had they were giving away turkeys yesterday. Yes, right? yes. And there was a ton of people that had to give the turkeys back because they didn't have a place to cook the turkeys. Mm. Wow. You know, and that's that's like really heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I saw the lines you guys had down in Texas with the uh, the food drives, right. or they were giving food away, and it was something like miles long of lines that people sat in for hours and hours. Yeah. So it's it's a uh, you know, uh, and you said this, Gary. Gary, you said this. You said fifty million Americans received food uh, yeah. this week. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a lot, man. That's, that's, yeah. Man. That's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, so just, uh, you know, be, be, be thankful. Yeah. Be thankful. Perfect time to say it. Be thankful for yeah. what you got and who's around you. Yep. Mm-hmm. This Indeed. might be the first time I can honestly say we're going to end it there. And Gary, you ended it well. That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. No, I'm serious. Like all joke, we joke a lot. But that was that's it, bro. Like you couldn't have said it any better. Like there was no way I can even say anything better than that. That's that's perfect. So we will end it there. Thank you, Dr. Dennis. Thank you, Dr. Dumper. You guys are amazing people. I I, I can say I'm very blessed to have you guys as my partners in this uh, podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Happy to be here. All right, gentlemen. Enjoy. Thank you for listening to Tooth Be Told. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at realdentist with an S at gmail.com. That's realdentist, R-E-A-L, dentist with an S at gmail.com. Remember, the opinions on this podcast are just that, our professional opinions. The final decision about your health should be made by you and a trusted dental professional.